Welcome to the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast, where we share practical life hacks, shortcuts, designed to shape your best life and business in the least amount of time. I'm your host, David Ubita. Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs starts right now. Hey, welcome back to the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast, where we share practical life hacks to shape your best life and business in the least amount of time with your host, loss mitigation executive, entrepreneur, nationally featured author, and speaker, David Ubita. Hey, in episode 24, we chat with best-selling author, speaker, and entrepreneur, Eric Harrison. Hey, I really enjoyed this episode, and we'll dive into his story when we return. Eric Harrison. Hello, sir. How are you? Man, I'm great, man. How are you? Dude, I am fantastic. Thank you for joining us here on the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast on this beautiful day. Oh, yeah, man. I'm excited. So I have this amazingly well-done book in my hand entitled wow. Life With, uh, Poetic Navigation for Life's Winding Roads uh, by this phenomenal author by the name, oh, it just happens to be your name, Eric Harrison. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a small world. Yeah, what a small world. Imagine that. So tell me a little bit about this process, about this gift that you've given the world, this book that contains uh, some really reflective uh, thoughts. And um, I, I love the nuggets, love the photos in, in the book. And um, tell our audience a little bit about uh, how this all came to be. Well, basically um, what happened, I'd say about eight years ago, um, Life was kind of rough. There were a lot of things going on in my life that I really did not understand. Uh, you know, my mother had just passed several months uh, earlier. Uh, things were going haywire in my consulting business. Uh, so the entrepreneurial side was, was rough and, and things weren't going the way that I thought they should have been. Um, three teenage boys. We don't need to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> that was driving me nuts at the time, um, you know, a few problems in the household, so things were really rough. Um, and then on top of that, uh, I had a heart attack, which almost took me out. I had the Widowmaker, which uh, if I'd have got to the hospital, they tell me if I got to the hospital five minutes later, um, I would have died. So once all that happened, and, and it was a whirlwind, it all happened pretty much at once, I uh, started to work on my body. My body got better, but my mind and my spirit and my soul was all screwed up. So the only way to get back to a place where I was, quote unquote, stable was to pick up the pen and grab a pad and start writing. 
And um, the way that the book is formatted, which you mentioned, is how it all came to me. It didn't come in prose, but it came more so in poetry, short stories, and, and different things of that nature. So these short stories, in essence, are can they contain a specific kind of like a nugget of wisdom that you're trying to help the readers connect the dots with? Exactly, and 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 really, uh, David, it was more so. so it, as as you went through the book, it's it's, it's more introspective. So it, it, that book is not talking about anyone else. It is not talking about what someone did to me. I'm not pointing any fingers, but, but really what it did, it, it just took me on an explorative uh, journey through my own life. And if you notice, at the beginning of each chapter, it talks a little bit about where some of my thought processes came from. And then this chapter itself begins to um, explore the different things that, that were on my mind at that time that was really bothering me. And then I had questions about Give us an example of one of those questions um, that you found yourself asking during such a critical time in your life. I mean, not only are things externally, I mean, I tell my clients all the time, hey, we don't have business problems. We have personal problems that reflect exactly. on our Exactly. And so when we have things happening simultaneously, because I've been there and those seasons are just absolutely rough. And, and if I'm going to be just totally transparent. There were times where I myself wanted to end it, you know, just say, Hey, you know what? The pressure mm -hmm. is too much. Now fast forward to where I am today. And now it's like, I can't wait for pressure to happen. I love pressure. Exactly. And that pressure is serving is working for me, not against me. So what's that mm -hmm. one, maybe one nugget or one question that you might've had that our readers will be able to perhaps connect with and, Maybe they themselves are even in a position where they're trying to answer that question, and your book mm -hmm. may provide them some some introspection, as you've just mentioned. Well, well, my biggest question for me um, is it was connected to my why, and it was directly linked to my motives. Uh, one of the chapters in the book is entitled "Self." And the reason why I entitled that chapter self was because even though I was a middle-aged man and I had accomplished many things and I had done many things for other people and had served and been in churches and different charitable organizations and it seemed my life was, was pretty solid, um, once that event happened to me, I began to question who I really was. And I began to question why I was doing why I was the things that I was doing. And as I dug deeper, David, I really kind of figured out that some of it was dealing with man pleasing and kind of trying to, you know, be a part of the crowd or even do something that um, was seen as, as something great in other people's eyes. And by doing that, it seriously affected my health. It affected my mental state, and it took me down a road that, you know, pretty much almost led to destruction. Because you, as you know, and I know you've, you know, told your listeners this, when you don't know your why, you really don't understand the reason you're here and your purpose, then you're liable to go down any road, and, and that road would be a road to dis destruction. So it, I think that's one thing that the readers will definitely get out of that when they see my journey is that maybe it'll, it'll make them stop for a second 
and really figure out, okay, why am I doing what I'm doing? What are my motives? Am I doing this for the wrong reason? Am I helping people so that I can feel good, really? Or am I helping people because it's the right thing to do? Yeah, let's dive into that a little bit more because as entrepreneurs, you know, I'm faced, I, I work with clients all the time that when they come see us, they really aren't clear about the direction of their business or, exactly. pardon me, you know, their niche or their purpose. <coughs> pardon me, excuse me. And um, I, one of the things that I really appreciate the most about adversity is that there's purpose in our pain, right? And so when we go yes, through always. these various, these varying levels of pain, and in my opinion, the deeper the pain, the more profound the purpose, your impact. So it's like, hey, bring it on. Give me, you know, bring whatever whatever life wants to bring me, I'm okay with, because I know that it's it's going to work out for me, and not only that, for the people that I have the the blessing to, to work with. So what's one piece that you would suggest to our audience in terms of, of adversity um, do you run from adversity? Do you, you know, go get help when you're in the middle of, of adversity to help us really dig down deeper in terms of discovering who we truly are? Well, well, the, and, and I keep just referring back to the book and, and, and my journey, but the, the, the thing that it made me do probably more so than anything, and, and I talk about this in the book, is that one of the things I did was, and this is a war tactic, actually, actually that, that, many uh, generals have used over the years. And, and what I did was is I retreated into like a, 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 not a state of seclusion where I was depressed or, you know, down, but I kind of backed off of doing some of the things that I was doing so that I could really focus on who I was, why I was here, and what I have to offer to the masses. And I think sometimes we just really don't do that because most of our lives we're kind of told by other people who see us, right? They, they, people see us and they man, you're great. You can do this and you're going to be able to do this and you're going to be able to do that. And oftentimes you wind up getting caught up into that and you really miss your true purpose. And as far as being an entrepreneur, because I am with the book and um, I have other products and I also speak as well, the thing about it is, is, is that I was, I was getting into all of that, but I, I didn't know my why. I didn't even know my purpose, my mission, my vision. All of that stuff was blurry. So the best way to do that, and, and I would definitely suggest this to everyone listening, is that when you do feel a little lost, sometimes it's the worst thing to go and start asking people what they think because a lot of yeah. times what people think, they only see it through their lens. They really don't see it through, you know, the lens that you, you need to get the right answer. So. That's kind of what I did, and that's what I would kind of suggest that people would do. Yeah, I love that. I love that feedback, that, that life hack, really, because the interpretation might be initially to hear retreat. Well, retreat, how can we win the battle if we retreat, right? Exactly. That's a sign of weakness. How, how do we take a step back and then with confidence say that we're winning the war, that kind of thing? But the reality is that moment of retreat, think of what's happening during that time. All great generals have retreated at some point or another. Exactly. That's why they went on to be successful before because perhaps they didn't have enough information. Mm-hmm. So that period of retreat is a great opportunity to you know, gather more information about the situation 
before you take another step forward, wouldn't you say? Yes, most definitely. And and again, with me, with my situation, and my situation, it could be a little different than others, but some, it, it made me really um, examine why I was doing what I was doing. And sometimes you, you, you almost have to, and I'm not saying be alone, don't get any advice from anybody. No, I mean, if you have trusted people in your life, you know, your wife or a best friend or, you know, a family member, even a business uh, partner or, or anyone of that nature, yeah, you, you can speak with them. You can get some counsel. Um, everyone needs counsel, but ultimately the final decision is yours. And it's good to have, it's always good to have a multitude of counselors, but you do need to be able to sit down and be able to articulate your why, what you're doing, how you're doing it, and all those types of things. And that really is something that you have to do yourself. Yeah, I, I love that phrase, you know, because I, I think it's even scriptural, right, where it's the multitude yes. of counselors. Uh, at the same time, because I understand how confusing multiple voices can mm-hmm. be, doesn't mean that you can't have a counsel that you seek exactly. multiple wisdom from. Exactly. As opposed to multiple counselors with all different perspectives, <laughs> exactly. and can sometimes be confusing. Not that there's an a, a, that it can't be advantageous for us, but especially during a season of like retreat, and you're trying to really dial in and get more information mm-hmm. and find clarity. It's not exactly. the time to hear from 20 different people. Uh, it's it's more so of like going home mm-hmm. and. Going back to that one mentor or family member or that source mm-hmm. of inspiration uh, could be your faith, you know, as a Christ follower, right? It's like, okay, what helps me get through things? And that's really just going back into mm-hmm. my own faith. And, and, you know, my favorite prayer is a four-letter word, H-E-L-P. <laughs> Help. <laughs> that's my right. favorite prayer, right? Mm-hmm. So and. It, 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 that's amazing what you're saying because that's that's exactly the role that I took, and 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 it's and 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 in this society with social media, right, and with all this stuff blasting all over the place, TV blasting, phones, computers, iPads, tablets, information is flying everywhere, and it seems yeah. as though it's so readily available, right? Yeah. But is that information really for you? Is that information really going to help you achieve and be the person that you were created to be? Yeah. And that's what I had to realize. And that was tough. That was tough because, as you know, you know me, man. I was around everybody, and I was doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But there had to be a time where I had to back off a little bit. And see, that's – oh, man, you're opening another can of worms. Let's talk about that because – <laughs> what, what I love about heart-centered consultants like ourselves, mm-hmm. there is this myth that I always try to deflate or de, you know, mysticize, and that's that whole concept that we're supposed to save the world, right? Oh my God! And yeah, dude, 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 the uh. ourselves, you know, then we start. Yes you know, feeling like crap, and it's like, hold on a second, mm-hmm. we're exhausted, we're on fumes, but the the way I demysticize that is this, we're not, our responsibility is not to save the world, our opportunity is to contribute to it, and then allow the ripple effect of our contribution to make the impact. That's, That's great. the perspective 
of what a heart-centered consultant or business owner, you know, pastor, athlete, whatever your you know niche or area is, your specialty is. It's not our job to save the world. No. No one who ever became great in this world ever said, well, I'm going to go ahead and save the world first. No, I think of Mother Teresa, and what did she do? She was in her parish and just mm-hmm. asked permission, can I help my neighbor? Right. So, it, so this whole myth, i got to save the world, but if you're not helping your neighbor, mm-hmm. you're deceiving yourself. Like, what's the point? Exactly. Don't get and you know what? Parents. And you know what? The other thing is this: you're diluting your message because Absolutely. if you're not if you're not in order, if your life's not in order, and you don't have things in, in, at a level of order where people can take the advice from you, take the help from you, but also respect you on top of that, then that dilutes your message. Yeah, and that goes for anything that you're doing: business, counseling no matter what it is, because no one wants to be with someone that's trying to tell them how to do something in their life, and they're failing miserably at it. It's kind of hard for me to take that, that advice from someone. And, and you may not even be failing miserably, but you may not be at a level that you need to be at so that you can then have the most effect in someone's life. And isn't that what we all want? We want to be at an optimal level so that we can be able to um, and I'm not saying save the world, but you know what I mean, to be able to speak to your brother or that person next to you. Because oftentimes, that person next to you sees your life. <laughs> they see everything in your life. So that's yeah, why sometimes you've got to retreat as well. Yeah, that's like trying to hire an overweight personal trainer, right? <laughs> exactly, man. That's what I'm saying. It's like, that ain't going to work. No. That dog ain't going to hunt. You know, that, you're not, that's not going to work. <laughs> I was noticing yeah. one of the sections in your book that talked about happiness, and uh, yeah. I wanted to talk about that for a moment because as entrepreneurs, it almost seems as if that whole concept of happiness eludes us. Mm. I cannot tell you how many times I have new clients and existing clients that come to us all looking for happiness, purpose, right, fulfillment, and yes. they just miss it. Because, again, the heart-centered piece and trying to save the world instead of just trying to nail it down. But then the other piece is like, okay, I'm good at all these things, or at least we think we're good at all these things. Mm-hmm. And this makes me happy. This makes me happy. I know you mentioned in our conversation already that you had to retreat. You had to get re-centered. You had to get you know, re-in-touch, re-engaged with Eric Harrison. Mm-hmm. And the vibe that I get from you just on this call is that you're – center that you're happy what would be one uh what would be one idea or concept that you could share with our audience who may be struggling with that right now they may be on top of the world they may may be making two three hundred million a year more Uh, they Mm -hmm. may have a great family life but at the core of who they are right now maybe they're just missing that happiness piece well well, the one thing i think um, and again, I'm just speaking from my experience, and I think, and I hope that people can glean from this. Um, for me, I just had to simplify things. I believe I made things way too complicated, and I really got into what my eyes saw and what my ears heard about what happiness was, and I thought that happiness was success, 
And to a certain extent, the whole money thing, I mean, you know, all of that. I, I thought all of those things would bring me happiness. And the one thing that I avoided was just the peace, that inner peace that you have that you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And, you know, you've heard the old saying about, hey, it isn't work, you know, if you love doing what you're doing, you know, or something similar to that. And at the time when I had to do this and when the heart attack happened and all of that, I was not in love with what I was doing. I was just doing it out of responsibility. Now, I'm not saying be irresponsible, everyone, so please don't say that I don't get that idea. No, don't be irresponsible. But again, you know, you cannot go and put the Superman cape on and say, here I come to save the day when, you know, you don't have that inner peace. And, 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 and peace only comes from the simple things. I boiled it down to just simple stuff, the things that meant the most to me. Um, you know, you know, my, 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 my spiritual um, foundation was one, most definitely. That had to be there before anything. Once I established that, then it was about my family. And the one thing that I noticed, David, is that <laughs> in this search for happiness outside, you know, what I saw, I neglected my family. Mm. One thing that could probably give me the most happiness, you know? Mm. And uh, so I had to simplify it. I had to boil it all down. I had to eliminate some relationships. I had to cut off some things. Um, I had to go through some divine confrontation. <laughs> and uh, that's how I found happiness. So th it's funny. Again, we keep going to the war reference. The, the, many times you do have to have some type of conflict to get some semblance of peace. I don't like a lot of conflict. I don't like conflict. I don't. I, I'll try to talk it out. I'm the guy that'll try to talk it out and smooth it over. But in this case, in my own life, I had to deal with some conflict. I had to cut some things off, you know, move some things out of the way. And then once I did that, then I had a semblance of what would make me happy. Then I can set my goals and objectives, my life goals and objectives towards achieving those things. So hopefully that kind of answered your question, and, and, and hopefully it will give some people some guidance. It's not that hard, really. The hard thing is just because I think everybody knows what they need to do. I really do believe that. It's just a matter of just doing it. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, I think what happens is that when we're in the state of overwhelm, like even these small mm -hmm. things, you could literally be standing in the forest and not see the trees, literally. Mm -hmm. and how many times have I been looking for my glasses and it's on my head, right? Or, <laughs> exactly. Or my, or my key. I was doing that before the call. <laughs> <laughs> To the best of us, right? So, um, good stuff. So, so one more, one more topic here is you know before we wrap up the call. Sure. Um, and I and I really enjoyed this this section here, and it talks about relationships with purpose, and and you you brought that up here uh, just a moment ago. Uh, tell us a little bit about what your perspective is, and and what that means. What kind of value would that bring in your life? Um. Well, I. I what what I've done in my life um, as of late is I've kind of categorized as kind of a cold way to speak about relationships, so I'm, I'm very careful with that. But but I have I've kind of 
taking the time to categorize each relationship or many of the relationships that I have in my life, um, whether they're one professional, where it's just totally professional and you know it's a business relationship, two, whether it's a friend relationship where we're, we're we're friends and we share something a little bit more than just on a professional level, and then the next one is family, and and family is someone that I hold very close to my bosom and and that. I am, uh, you know, they they mean a whole lot to me, and I would do anything for them. So by doing that and separating my relationships into those categories, and sometimes I'm not perfect with it, I'll slip, and I won't do that, and then I'll go off on some rabbit trail. But by doing that, that has helped me to find a purpose in why I'm with you, why we're together. And that has served me well in every situation that I've used it in. Um, You know, I've been blessed to have um, some corporate positions um, where I've managed people and I've done different things. And whenever I didn't do that, even with the people I managed, the relationship was bad and we wound up going down some crazy road and having some type of misunderstanding. But when I came in, and I put these people in these categories, and then what I could do then is see what the purpose of that relationship is, why are we together, and then I can truly help them. Because as you know, you, you're a consultant. You talk to people every day. If you don't know why you're there, then how in the world can you help them? That's just like me asking you to come and talk to me, David, and, and then you sit in the room and it's like, okay, Eric, what do you need? And I don't know. So those are the things that I really try to do more so than anything is I try to compartmentalize my relationships so that I can be able to do that. And then once I do that, then I can ascertain the purpose and then I can move forward from there. I'm not perfect with it, but um, I'm pretty good with it and it's helped me uh, tremendously. Yeah, that's powerful. That whole concept of purpose partnerships is something that really resonates uh, with those of us who are in leadership and really care about making a difference in the world. Yes. Uh, it's not should never be a one-sided contribution of a relationship. It should always be something where both parties are positioned to be able to support each other and uh, exactly. really, you know, come into alignment with uh, the purpose uh, on both sides. Yeah, and reciprocation is key with me as well. Now, I don't just take a machete and just lop them off. No, I don't do that. But I do understand, like I said, when when you compartmentalize like that, you understand the purpose. And also, when you understand the purpose, you also understand the amount of time that you need to spend. Because if you're doing it with a family relationship, of course you're going to spend more time with that. You know know what I mean? You're not going to spend a whole lot of time with a relationship that is compartmentalized and somewhere different than the, the family realm. So, it's and believe me, by no means, it's not... It's not super hard to do. You just have to be mindful enough to do it. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, that de- that definitely takes a process. And I, I really, I'd venture to say that in order to really understand the value you bring to the table, it's going to require what we actually discussed early on in this conversation. That's a, some time to retreat and really yes. dial in to who you are, what you stand for, mm-hmm. um, you know, your values, uh, some of the giftings that you might have, et cetera. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Mr. Harrison, 
<laughs> it's been a pleasure to catch up with you, Matt. Please tell our audience where they can connect, where they can pick up your book. You know, are you on IG or on Facebook? Yes. Uh, please share your your info with us. I am on social media. So several things. Number one, I'll give you my website. That's probably the best place to get the book. I am on Amazon. The, the book is on Amazon as well. But um, I'd like for you, if you could, to go to my website uh, for all the listeners and ex- expressyourperspective.com. So expressyourperspective.com. And Express Your Perspective is the um, parent company um, the book is just a, a, a leg, one leg of the parent company. I mean, I also speak um, and do many other things as well, consult as well. Um, so you can get the book at the website. And also there's a blog there, there's video there, and also it lets you know um, where I'm going to be and different things of that nature. My IG um, tag is the same, Express Your Perspective. Um, so if you go and search Express Your Perspective, you'll see a photo of me and my logo, and then you'll be able to uh, connect with me there. And on Facebook, it's the same thing as well, Express Your Perspective. Um, I, I really try to engage with everyone who comes. Um, I ask questions, and I have people ask me questions as well. So um, it's more of a dialogue. It's not me saying things to you. And there's nothing that comes back, but there is a level of reciprocation. So those are the ways that you can connect with me. Man, I love it. Eric, um, man, it's so good to hear from you. I'm glad that, that you are doing your thing. And Man, uh, dude, I've been following you for a minute now. Come on. <laughs> you, you're out here doing it, man. I, 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 I am honored. I was honored when you asked me to come on. I'm serious um, because you are helping a lot of people, man. I mean, you're a book. Um, you know, your posts, I mean, they're amazing, man. I, I really, really do appreciate you. And, you know, you, you have actually helped me with being able to do and launch um, what I'm doing right now. So I appreciate you for that. Uh, bless your heart, man. Thank you so much. All right, guys, here it is. Pick up that book entitled Life Twists, Poetic Navigation for Life's Winding Roads by the one and only, the author, Mr. Eric Harrison. Eric, again, thank you for joining us here on the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast. Hey, you've been listening to the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast where we share practical life hacks to shape your best life and business in the least amount of time with your host, loss mitigation executive, entrepreneur, and nationally featured author and speaker, David Ubeda. Hey, life hackers, help us reach more people. We need your help. Stop at iTunes, give us a positive review and rating. Remember, our goal is to become the number one small business podcast on iTunes, so your feedback really does matter. Hey, for more great content like you found here on this podcast, make sure to visit davidubita.com. Until next time, continue to grind, grow, and give.